preacher for letting me come. Thank you for being here. Great Sunday night crowd, at least on the main floor. I would say considerably more people here tonight than were here this morning, and I am so encouraged what the Lord is doing in this church. Did you ever eat anything, have anything that you just absolutely loved, but you could only get it one place? Every year I take my wife to Shipshawana, and we always go to Middlebury and go to the Rise and Roll Bakery. They have a donut that has caramel on the top and white, not Bavarian, white cream filling on the inside. That is so good. If you got any of that on your forehead accidentally, your tongue would slap your brains out trying to get at it. Now, you're blessed. You actually have some around here now. You got one in Cherville, uh, an outlet. Our text tells us about something like that. I'm so glad our daughter Katie is here tonight. Uh, she, for a few more days, lives not far from here, and she has three friends with her, Sue and Joe and uh, Sue and uh, Verna and Joe, and we're glad that they're here. David is running away from King Saul. And he's hiding in a cave, the cave of Dullam. He's not far from where he grew up in Bethlehem, about 13 miles away. And David remembers the water of the well of Bethlehem. It's the water he grew up drinking. He's been many places since then. He's eaten of the fineries of the palace of King Saul. But he's never had anything that's quite like the water from the well of Bethlehem. No water is so sweet. No water is so special. No water is so satisfying as the water from the well of Bethlehem. We read about his longing. Now, he's not making a request that's very clear from what follows in the story. He's just thinking out loud. He said, oh, man, I wish somebody could get me some water from the well of Bethlehem. That's his desire. Uh, no water is so sweet as that. No water is so satisfying as that. No water is so special to me as that. But there's a difficulty David has. We think about his longing. He's got a desire. He's got a difficulty. He is hiding in a cave. He is literally trying to stay out of the sight of King Saul. He has 3,000 soldiers, Saul does, trying to hunt David down and kill him. And David's not only hiding in a cave, he's hindered by his companions. 400 people are with David, but here's who he has. David has an independent Baptist church. Everybody that's in debt, everybody that's in distress, and everybody that's discontented, that's what he's got. And uh, David wishes he could have some water. He doesn't think it's possible. The well is held by conquerors. The Bible says it's a garrison, a military outpost of the Philistines. David's longing. But then I want you to notice not only the longing, I want you to notice the loving. There were some men in that group of 400 people that paid really careful attention to what David said. They were attentive to his words. 
And they heard when David, just kind of talking out loud, said, Oh, that one would bring me water from the well of Bethlehem. They had the heart of their leader. Did you know it is the job of the followers to learn the heart of the leader? Well, Scott Cowling has been on staff at the First Baptist Church of Bridgeport, I guess now for 27, 28 years. He leads our addictions ministry. Does many, many other things. And the greatest indictment Brother Cowling could ever give to anybody on our staff would be if he said to me, Preacher, he doesn't have your heart. That was it. I hope you have the heart of your pastor. I think you do. I think his heart and his spirit have become the heart and the spirit of this church. It's a marvelous thing for me to have watched. He's been here 10 years. It's my sixth time to be able to come in those 10 years and preach for various events and functions. And, and I'm just thrilled with what God is doing. God wants us to have his heart. The Bible says in Psalm 103 that God made known his ways unto Moses, but his acts unto the children of Israel. Children of Israel knew what God did. They knew that he parted the waters of the Red Sea, and they walked across on dry ground. They knew that he made the sun stand still. But David, uh, Moses uh, knew more than that. Moses knew the heart of God. He knew his way. He knew the why behind the what. They were attentive to his words. They acted upon his wishes. David didn't make a command. He didn't even ask for volunteers. Now, there are 400 men that followed David. There were 30 that were mighty men. There were three that we read about in this particular story. 400 would stay with him, and 30 would stand for him. But there were three who would sacrifice for him. The loving. They were attentive to his words. They acted upon his wishes. They were aggressive in their work. Now, Brother Lavina, I read this story for years, and I imagine these guys sneaking off in the middle of the night and slipping into Bethlehem and lowering the bucket and getting some water and bringing it back to David. But that's not what it says. It says they break through the host of the Philistines untrained as soldiers, not armed, 13 miles from Adullam, the cave, to Bethlehem's well. And these men went and they fought against enemy soldiers to get inside to where the well was and to bring David some water from the well of Bethlehem. They were aggressive in their work. It cost them something. It was not easy. It was dangerous. It was arduous. If you walked rapidly, crisply, on good roads, a clear pathway, you can probably walk four miles in an hour if you're in reasonable health. They went 13 miles one way. They went 26 miles altogether. That's just shy of a marathon. Uh, it had to take them uh, difficult roads, not roads like we have then, and having to, to maybe sometimes be a little surreptitious in their journey. It had to take them six, seven, eight, nine hours. They were aggressive in their work. But I want you to notice this about the loving. 
It was not one-sided. It was not just three men uh, who wanted to do something for their leader. It was it was a leader who deeply appreciated what they had done. Uh, uh, they were attentive to his words, and they acted upon his wishes, and they were aggressive in their work. But David was appreciative of their worth. They brought back the water, and David wasn't careless. He wasn't disdainful he was so impressed that they had the bible says put their lives at risk in jeopardy that he said i can't drink this and he poured it out not in carelessness but as a drink offering would be poured out to the lord and in deepest gratitude and appreciation he poured out that water on the ground well that's the story. If I were like some Bible teachers on the radio, the sermon would be over. They have a wonderful way of teaching you what the Bible says, but never telling you what you're supposed to do about it. My favorite question when I read a passage of Scripture is, so what? Not who cares, but so, what does that mean? So, how am I supposed to live because of that? So, what am I supposed to do about that? So, let me give you not only the longing and the loving but the lessons there is in our passage a lesson about serving hey do you know who those three men were you know the names of those three men Philippine you know the name you know the names of you know I thought you had a college here I'll give you a hundred bucks Come by my table afterwards. I won't repeat the spiel about the books. I don't do that twice in one day. If you were here this morning, tell the people that are here tonight why they ought to go by, all right? I will say, I hope you get the books. If you don't, i got to load them all back in my car, take them back to Michigan, I'll load them out of the car, put them in the, the, the closet in the church, let me keep them in. I'll probably rupture a disc and never walk again and be crippled, and it'll be your fault. I did have one man say, Brother Willett, you didn't give the guarantee. I said, I always give the guarantee at night. Here's the guarantee. Get anything you want from my table. These inflationary, uncertain financial times cause you to be judicious in your investments. Get anything you want from my table. Keep it as long as you like, subjected to any abuse you wish. And if at any time you feel like it was a poor expenditure of your finances, you call me up. And no matter what shape it's in, no matter how long you've had it, no matter what abuse you've subjected it to, I promise I will immediately tell you how very sorry I am. <laughs> One commentator said these three men were Adino and Eliezer and Sheba. Matthew Henry said one of them was Abishai, one was Benaiah, and the third he didn't know. I'll give you a hundred bucks if you can prove to me conclusively from the word of God who they were. The fact is, nobody knows. You know who they were? Servants. Three guys. Three guys that loved their leader. Three guys that were willing to sacrifice for their leader. Three guys that didn't have to be commanded, didn't have to be even requested. They just knew that David wanted something and they wanted him to have it. You see, servants 
don't labor to get glory. They labor to give glory to God. Servants don't try to get people to notice them. They try to get people to notice him. I had a pastor friend years ago asked his secretary to take leftover bulletins and write a note from him to the members that were absent from that service send it off to them in the mail. They'd have the bulletin. They'd know the preacher was thinking about them. And uh, he found out that she was sending them the notes from herself. And he thought she misunderstood. He said, no, no, I want it to be a note from me. Let them know that I asked you to send this. I was thinking about them. And she looked at him with a hurt expression. She said, but I want them to like me. Yeah, we got a lot of that, don't we? No, no, it's not about them liking us it's about us telling them that he's worthy and he is glory to be glorified and he is the one that needs love and attention and adoration and praise and worship servants don't try to make a name for themselves they try to lift up his name servants uh, don't matter but their service does servants don't matter but their savior does can i tell you that some of the greatest acts of service being performed for the lord jesus christ in our day are totally unknown to anybody except the person performing them and the one receiving them i don't know this for a fact but i would bet you there are widow ladies in this church who skip meals who eat modestly when they do, who limit their expenses so that they can give to the missions budget and send the gospel around the world. There are people that have anonymously helped students to stay in college. There are folks that have slipped somebody some money and said, give this to so-and-so. There are people that are laboring in obscure parts of the world. We had a man go out of our church to Cuba. He was from Canada, so he could get in. He couldn't stay there. But in one of his trips to Cuba, he got out into a rural area and he found there a lady and she was running a Christian camp and trying to do the best she could to help reach children with the gospel of Christ. In communist Cuba, she was an American. And when they told the Americans to leave, she stayed. I don't know her name. I don't know if she's still alive, but I got a pretty good idea. She'll be way ahead of me and way ahead of many of us at the judgment seat of Christ. Servants don't matter, but the Savior matters. A lesson about service. A lesson about sacrifice. Sacrifice is not always commanded. The tithe is the Lord. We pay our tithe. But we give above that, and the Bible doesn't say, now if you make this much money, you're in this giving bracket. If you make that much money, you're in that giving bracket. No, no, no. No, that's not commanded. The idea is there. It is the right thing to do, but God says every man as he purposeth in his heart, let him give. We started Faith Promise Missions at our church some years ago. Until that time, we've been giving a percentage of the general fund offerings to missions. And we're telling everybody to pray about what they're going to do. Katie, I think, was in second grade, and Carissa, our older daughter, was in the seventh grade. I never gave our girls, we never gave them an allowance. But whenever I was away preaching overnight, was about, which was about every Monday and Tuesday at that time, I would give them $5. Take a little bit of the sting out of me being gone. And 
Katie said to Carissa, what are you going to give? Carissa said, I don't know. Katie said, I'm giving $5. And my wife said, now, Katie, you don't have to give. But if you make the promise, you have to keep it, and I'll see to it that you keep it. And that's all the money you have, she says, so I'm going to give $5. And she asked her again, Carissa, what are you going to give? I, I don't know. And, well, I'm giving $5. What are you going to give? And Krista said, I don't know. The Lord hasn't spoken to me about it. And Katie said, he didn't speak to me either. I just wrote down $5. Not commanded. You may not feel some heavenly zap and some divine impression, but you know that the Lord wants something you know. He'd be pleased with something you know, that that's his heart. Just go ahead and write down $5. A lesson about sacrifice, it's not always commanded, but it always costs. I will not give unto the Lord my God burnt offerings, David said, of that which doth cost me nothing. Ah, but there's a lesson here about the Savior. David is an example in many ways of the Lord Jesus. David is going to be the king. He has been anointed, but he has not been appointed. No crown rests upon his head. No palace houses him and his family. No treasury is at his disposal. No army follows his command. Right now he's a rejected king. You know, there was a time in our nation back 1920s, 1930s, H.L. Mencken was a famous journalist in that era, and he said, if you take a train anywhere across the country and throw an egg out the window, I know it's too expensive to throw eggs today, but he said, if you throw an egg out the window, you're likely to hit a fundamentalist. There was a time that you couldn't get elected if you didn't have the endorsement of people that believed in God, were God-fearing people, people that had some religious connection. There was a time when the majority of the people believed the basic things that we believe. Not now. Not now. Now, and I'm not making this up, I can give you the news articles to support it. If you say, I'm kind of concerned about these terrible posters in my child's public school, they'll turn you in for suspicion of being a domestic terrorist. Because you don't want perversion to be promoted to school-age, elementary school-age children. No, not now. But can I tell you something? Boy, those servants of David that came in on the early days before he was king, they had an opportunity the later servants never had. I'm glad I can stand for the Lord Jesus when it costs a little something. I'm glad to lift my voice and say that I'm a follower and a lover and a defender and a worshiper of a rejected king. I'm glad that though the world despises him, I delight in him. Though they abhor him, I adore him. I'm glad I get to serve one the world reviles. Brother John Wilkerson came to this church in uh, February, right? Ten years ago. I got a call or a text. said, would you make a video greeting for Brother Wilkerson? I was on the island of Kauai when I got the text and only had a few days to do it. So I made it, but I was wearing a Hawaiian shirt. 
There were only two ties on the entire island and both of them were owned by Mormon missionaries. I was glad to do that. Now I had some friends, and your friends, and they love you, and they said, we're going to wait and see what happens. You invited some people to preach here and they said, not yet. Good people, my friends. I can tell you their names, some of them. But Wilkerson in March... I don't know if he orchestrated this or not, but Dr. Pete Collin called me in March. He came in February. said, would you have a tour group in from Hiles Anderson College? I said, sure. I said to our church, I do not know what is going to happen at Hiles Anderson College, but I know John Wilkerson. And I believe he's a man of high character and that he loves God and that he has a sincere heart. I believe in him. I am glad I stuck my neck out a little bit before everything went so well. Help people early. Help them when they need it. Don't wait and see how it's going to go. Would you rather invest in Microsoft today or 40 years ago? And right now, when the gospel is despised, when the Bible is, is, is abhorred, when the things that we believe are considered to be bizarre, when the world is as opposed, opposed in the United States, at least, to Christianity as it ever has been in my lifetime, it's a really good time to sacrifice for the Lord Jesus Christ. First Baptist Church of Bridgeport was greatly blessed of the Lord. Came here in March, started the church, started pastoring the church in May. Had about 50 people on a Sunday morning, about 20 on a Sunday night, about 12 on a Wednesday night. 18 people voted to call me, and six of them voted by absentee ballot. They never had been to church on a Wednesday night. They had no attention to going to church on a Wednesday night. They have not yet been to church on a Wednesday night. But they wanted to vote. Budget was $395 a week. Offerings, I preached there in March first time. And in February, the offerings had averaged $200 a week. God was really good to us. He blessed us. He did great things there. I suppose the thing that most encourages me about the ministry the Lord gave us there is that they tell me 200 or more people have gone out from our Christian school and our church into the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And people say, what was the secret? It's not in a great place. It's Aguinaldo. Our church has a Saginaw mailing address. Our township has a border, shares a border of the city of Saginaw. It was the most violent city in America, eight years running. More crimes per person than Detroit, Chicago, L.A. Last year I checked, which was 2013, Detroit would have had to have 50 more murders than they did to have as many murders per person as Saginaw did. Our bus has been shot. Our bus worker has been shot at. Multiple gang fights on our property where we had to call the police. Bus kids bringing loaded guns onto the bus. See, why do you I don't know. I really don't know all the reasons, but I'll tell you one thing. We had a whole bunch of people in that church, unasked and unrequested, uh, because they loved the Lord and they knew his heart, would run to the well of Bethlehem and bring back some water. We had people that spend five and six and seven and sometimes eight and ten and twelve hours a week on their bus routes. We had people that go soul winning one and two and sometimes three times a week and sometimes for a big day every single night. 
We had ladies that took off their wedding rings unasked for, unrequested, unsuggested, and dropped them in the offering plate to help us with some special goal that we had. I don't know everything about this for church, but I'll tell you one thing. What has made it great? What is a great reason God is blessing and using it today? And a reason it'll be blessed in the future is you got a lot of people that'll run to the well of Bethlehem and get some water. Think maybe you ought to do that. When uh, Katie was, I think, in the sixth grade, and Chris in the eleventh grade, maybe it was, maybe it was uh, maybe it was fifth grade and tenth grade, but Katie was maybe about ten or eleven. Chris is five years older. I think Katie was ten because I think Chris was fifteen. I'll tell you what. I'll go double check and I'll let you know for sure on Thursday night. We took a missionary trip to Grenada. Brother Dennis Celestine stayed in his home. Showers and water came from a big black plastic tank on the roof of their little home and rainwater would collect. Brother Celestine was planting churches around the island. Most people didn't have a car. His strategy would have a church within walking distance of every resident of the island of Grenada. And one of the things he was working on then was starting an orphanage. Chris was 15 years old. She said, Dad, could I just stay here and help in the orphanage? I'd miss my friends, but I'd be okay. I do not recall her saying she'd miss me or her mother or her sister. Katie had just gotten a Nintendo Game Boy a handheld video game device. They were just out. They were the hottest thing there. And little cartridge you could play games. The preacher, the Celestine, had two sons, Dwight and Dwayne. And, and Katie would let them play with that. They were fascinated by it. They'd never seen anything like that. Didn't know anything like that existed. And they played with it all week long. They were getting ready to leave the last day. Katie called us in her room and she said, Mom and Dad, would it be okay if I gave Dwight and Dwayne my Game Boy? Doesn't surprise me. She's in the work of God and God is using her and her family. I wonder. I wonder what had happened if all the good 400 soldiers I wonder what would happen if the 30 mighty men, those that are willing to stay and those that are willing to stand, would get like those three that were willing to sacrifice. I wonder what God would do then. Running to get water from the well, no water so sweet. No water so special. No water so satisfying as the water from the well of Bethlehem. Could I tell you about another well in Bethlehem? It was dug in darkness. It was located in a lonely place. It operated in its early days in obscurity. It was placed not in a 
field, but in a feeding trough. It was not surrounded by masonry, but it was set in the middle of a manger. It's a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Uh, the spirit and the bride say, come and let him that is a thirst come and drink of the water uh, of life freely. There's a well in Bethlehem in his name. Uh, his name is Jesus. Can I tell you, no water is so sweet and no water is so sacred and no water is so satisfying as the water from the well of Bethlehem, the Lord Jesus. Maybe. Maybe. A good deal of some of us would say, hey, you didn't tell me I had to. You didn't ask me to, Lord. But if you don't mind, I'd like to learn your heart. And I'd like to go against great odds and difficult circumstances at times that are inconvenient. And do work that is expensive and costly just because 